Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by New York Times bestselling writer Hazel Gaynor, author of the new novel The Last Lifeboat. New York Times bestselling writer Christina McMorris wrote about the novel. Hazel Gaynor's latest novel, inspired by a shocking wartime tragedy, captivated me from the very first page. Though propelled by a slew of twists and turns, at its core, The Last Lifeboat is a moving tale of love, hope, and fortitude in the darkest of times. A haunting, memorable read. Hazel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Great to be here. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, The Last Lifeboat, how would you describe the novel? Well, I think Christina McMorris did it just brilliantly <laughs> in that in that gorgeous introduction. How how incredibly generous other authors are! Really, it it blows me away every time. Um, yeah, the, the last lifeboat <laughs> is is set in 1940 and inspired by <laughs> a remarkable true events, little known episode of the Second World War, um, when a ship taking young evacuees from Britain to Canada was torpedoed in the Atlantic. Um, And my story unfolds over eight days um, after that event one night um, as two women find themselves connected through this tragedy. One, Alice, who is volunteering to escort the young evacuees, and she finds herself adrift in a lifeboat with other survivors, including some of the children. And back in London, uh, whilst enduring the Blitz bombing raids, Lily is desperately awaiting news of her two children who were on that ship. Um, And it's about how those two women's experiences and ability to endure what then happens um, unfolds. And as Christina so so beautifully put, you know, a, a story ultimately rooted in hope. Um, and the will to survive. So it's just such a powerful piece of history. And I, I was fascinated to discover it and, and really to discover how how unknown it is compared to some other aspects and elements of the Second World War. And on that note, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to riding the last lifeboat? Yes, I always have. Um, I think every author has that sort of light bulb moment when you're uh, looking in an area and I was I was looking and researching for sort of very little known episodes of the Second World War and particularly around the evacuees I was aware of the first program of mass evacuation in Britain at the outbreak of war which was known as Operation Pied Piper and had been in place for several years mm-hmm in preparation for the event of war and saw about 3 million children evacuated from their homes in cities and towns most at risk from the threat of, of, of German bombs to homes in the countryside. And I was aware of that, but I, and I've, you know, very aware of classic children's books like the Railway Children and, and other stories that have been told about that. And I was looking for a slightly different angle. And I read a piece about a ship called the City of Benares. And I saw the phrase sea evacuees, sea vac, 
tracks. And I it uh-huh. stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, what on earth is a C-vacuee? And un- <laughs> uncovered this whole other side of evacuation where children were not just leaving their home, but they were leaving Britain and they were going to countries far away to stay with host families, with strangers. And obviously the parents had no idea when their children were going to come home. So I just immediately knew there was a story here. And particularly when I read about this lifeboat um, from the torpedoed ship that was lost, believed to have sunk um, for eight days. And that to me was, again, just an incredibly dramatic emotional story to you know, sort of use as a as a springboard for my fictional retelling of that event. Well, what kind of research did you do as you were working on the last lifeboat? So, there's, I mean, it's incredible, really. There's such a huge amount of um, primary evidence from from those who were there at the time. Um, there are some incredible books. Uh, written by some of the children who survived that event and then as adults, you know, wanted to revisit that as so often happens. I think at the time, it was very much a case of, you know, keep calm and carry on, even in the face of unimaginable tragedy. But in later life, a lot of younger people who were evacuated, um, you know, have formed societies obviously felt the need to talk about that and particularly this incident with the SS city of Benares being torpedoed. So it was amazing to read very, very detailed personal accounts of that event, of being in the lifeboat, of being on the ship. Um, And then an incredible book um, that was written to sort of overarchingly look at the different aspects of the evacuation program. The Imperial War Museum in London has incredible records of evacuees. Um, the Maritime Museum in, in the city of Liverpool in England, which is where the city of Benares um, set sail. They also have amazing records. Um, so just a, a mixture really of understanding, obviously, the, the backdrop of war, what it was like in Britain at the time, but then very detailed personal records of being involved in that event. So, you know, as I often say, as a historical novelist, the problem is often not finding enough information, it's finding too much, you know, and and trying to figure out what lends itself to your version of the story um, and and what, you know, just belongs as a footnote or or, or in the history books. And, And so, yeah, it's just been an incredible human interest story and a survival story as well as a story from the second world war so there's so many elements for readers to explore discuss in their book groups um, which i think is what we all love doing when we read a powerful book we want to talk about it right <laughs> sure so so what what is your writing process when you're working on a novel such as the last lifeboat which is based on historical events are you doing an extensive outline uh, prior to writing? How does that work for you? How's that process? I wish I could say yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm very much what's called a pantser rather than a plotter, and um, I write very organically. I, I've always felt, for me personally, if if I over plan a book, it it kind of becomes a bit like homework. 
rather than a creative process. So I, yeah, once I have found that the golden egg, if you like, the nugget that's going to help, you know, give me the framework of the book, I do a lot of that background reading research just to feel my way into that time, that world, that event. But then I'm always so eager and excited to start writing. So I'll try and sort of capture that initial excitement for a new project and 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 try and write quite organically without overthinking it too much and see naturally where my imagination goes and for me at the very start of this book it was always going to be told from two points of view one woman in the lifeboat one mother back in England and how different that experience was um so I start writing I I sort of have an idea of where I'd like the story to go, but I, I often don't have a clear route to get from beginning to end. Um, but it, it, was a, it was a big book. It was a, a sort of an overwhelmingly emotional and the world war is such a huge event, right? So it's, um, it takes a while to find your way in to a big event like that. Um, so I've been working on the book for a good few years now. I've grown incredibly close to my characters. I miss them terribly now that it's finished. Um, but yeah, so a mixture of, you know, sitting down every day. I treat my working day very much as a as a nine to five in and around the other job of being a mom and the school run and all of those joys. Sure. Um, and I, you know, have deadlines to write to as well. Um, so it's. Yeah, it's a mixture of pressure and and pleasure. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sure. Well, what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing your first novel? Gosh, yeah. Great question. Um, so I came to writing, uh, I suppose, quite late in life, although writing's a brilliant profession to start at any age. So I was 40 when I I had been working in a very different career, professional, very corporate, um, and I had two young children. I stopped professional work and suddenly found myself unexpectedly at home. And I think writing had always been in me. I'd always wanted to uh, write creatively as a child. And I naturally dealt with the situation I found myself in by writing about it. Um, I started to write an article for the local newspaper. I then started a blog. Um, and that was really my foundation for finding this love of expressing myself on the page. And I tentatively found my way to writing groups and wrote a terrible first novel that's hidden and shall never be seen. Um, <laughs> and then I wrote... Uh, quite quickly, actually, my my debut novel, The Girl Who Came Home, which was based around the Titanic and a group of Irish passengers on on that ship and what happened to them. Um, so it's it's really full circle because I started my writing career with a story of tragedy at sea, and here I am, ten books later, 
with another incredible story of tragedy at sea. So there's definitely something in there that compels me. Um, but I initially self-published The Girl Who Came Home. I hadn't found a publisher. And two years later, I um, connected with an agent in the US and she submitted my work to a publisher at HarperCollins. And I was offered a, a publishing contract and the rest, as they say, is history. So... <laughs> A sort of a, a very odd, circuitous route to uh, to where I am now, but it's just been a joy, and I'm, you know, I I can't imagine now ever ha doing any other career. I think I think this is what I was meant to be doing, but everything else led to that, and I feel I can put a lot of my life experience now into my uh, stories and into my characters. What writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Um, yeah, I would. Th there's lots of advice. I think it sounds sounds very basic and simple, but I think I would encourage everybody who's thinking about writing yeah. to write. <laughs> um, you know, often it's it's the best way to learn. I I often r compare it a little bit to starting out on an exercise program. Or if you say, right, I'm going to run a marathon, you know, you can't <laughs> run a marathon tomorrow. You need to train. You need to do it in small, bite sized steps literally so and it's the same with writing i think if you know write if you're working on a novel write as much as you can everybody's circumstances are different it might be a page a day it might be two chapters a day go at your own pace but commit to finishing it i think that's the key because every writer at any stage starts to doubt themselves so even i'm now working on something new and i'm starting to doubt myself and it's completely normal and you don't often unless you have really planned it all out. You have to find your way into a story and find that first draft. And until you finish that first draft, you're often not sure what it is you're trying to say. So try and finish. Give yourself permission to not be perfect, I think is, is, is good advice. Write a messy first draft. Then you've got something to build on. Then you've got something to really start to work with to get closer to the book you had in your head. Um, and yeah, just don't don't you know sort of be too hard on yourself it's a it's a learning process and try and remember it why are you writing is it because you love words is it because you have a story you want to tell and try and remember that when it starts to feel difficult and how do you deal with that self-doubt when it comes up for you um i i talk to my friends who are writers who <laughs> also i think that you know writing is often talked about as a as a quite lonely process. And of course it is just you and your words, but as much as you can, I think if you can engage and connect with other writers, you realize it's, it's not just you, you know, everybody feels that sense of doubt and can you deliver on the page, this ambition that you had at the beginning? Um, and to just get that support. I often just, um, Instead of sitting at the desk, continuing to doubt myself, I'll maybe step away from the desk, go and sit in a favorite chair with a notebook, go back to a research book. As I said, sort of remind myself, why did I want to write this book? What is it that I want to say? And go for a walk. Often things resolve themselves while you're doing something other than writing. Um, and that all helps. And I think just to learn, you learn to trust yourself that this is normal this will pass. I will write the book. Um, it will get written. And you just have to learn to trust that the process will, will take care of it.
Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? <laughs> oh, gosh. How long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so many. And and one of the joys yeah, of can, my job now as a writer is being given early it. copies of books that aren't out yet. So I get delicious, tantalizing snippets of books that, that aren't published. A book I've read recently, which is just about to be published, um, fabulous book called Yellow Face by Rebecca Quang, who wrote um, a sort of dystopian historical novel last year called Babel, which was phenomenally successful. Um, Yellow Face is this incredible uh, sort of scathing look at the publishing industry. Um, and it asks the question of, you know, how far would you be prepared to go as a writer to gain success? And it really doesn't hold back. It's a literary thriller. Um, it covers all sorts of very um, sort of pressing topics like toxic friendships, cancel culture, cultural appropriation. It's absolutely fabulous. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I also read an amazing book recently called Wayward by Amelia Hart, which is set across 500 years, um, which is amazing, and tells the story of three women in, in each of those periods of history, three different periods of history. Um, and really looks at the history of women being accused of being witches, which lit seems to be very on vogue at the minute. Lots of witchy books <laughs> out there. Um, and I thought Amelia was her debut, and it just she did a phenomenal job in juggling those different time frames and how women's roles have changed or have they over the, that period of time. So those two I I've loved recently. Yeah. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? Um, they can find me procrastinating on <laughs> on uh, Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> and my website. So I'm I'm very straightforward. I'm Hazel Gaynor um, on social media <laughs> channels, and my website is hazelgainer.com um, and Hazel Gaynor Books on Facebook. And I also have a newsletter. So if people will visit my website, they can sign up. To my newsletter, I send it once a month, um, try to keep it quite light and, and informative so I don't spam people. And it's a great way to keep up to date with new projects and, and you know, reduce prices on my backlist um, and exciting news about new books. So, yeah. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking to Hazel Gaynor, author of the new novel, The Last Lifeboat. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Hazel? Thanks for doing this interview. That was great fun. Thank you, Jess. Wonderful. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.